Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Finally have organized. Organized Eagles football. The preseason is here. We got our first look at what the team is going to look like, not the starters, because uh, we don't want to put our quarter billion dollar quarterback out there in a meaningless preseason game. Although, Shane, I will say, if Harbaugh was playing that game to win, and on that two-point conversion, I would have put Jalen out there. I would have thought about it. <laughs> if you were, if, I know Sirianni really wanted to win that game, and I was like, yo, I, I'm sure he thought about it at some point ending this streak and if you i would i would have thought about it i would have thought about putting out putting them out there on the two-point conversion if if harbaugh wants to be a tryhard i'm sure sirianni could have been too how do you uh how do you feel about that i would have thrown jalen out there i would have put him out there for that two-point conversion <laughs> can, can you imagine <laughs> yes i could i was imagining it all night <laughs> just, just imagine that there's what how, how much time was left like oh there was still like seven minutes left yeah, there was like seven, just imagine seven. that you send in jason kelsey landon dickerson cam <laughs> jurgens and Jason or and Jalen Hurts for a tush push two point yeah. conversion. AJ Brown behind him shoving him. <laughs> yeah, and then you just pull him back out of the game. That'd be oh, kind of man. funny. That's like on brand for Sirianni, but that's something Sirianni would hundred percent do. That's so on brand uh, for him. But we finally got a, a good look at the team and some of the uh, position battles, depth chart things, and what the offense might seemingly look like uh, in the regular season. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of the EPA podcast, brought to you by. Leading Green Nation. I'm one of your hosts today, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms on Instagram, Facebook, not Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, slash X, whatever we're going to call it these days, TikTok, all that fun stuff at the Philly Pod. Do the same for my co host here, Shane Half. You can follow him on everything at Shane Half NFL. Shane, is there any all 22 out on the preseason game? Did you break down all of the two snaps that Jalen Carter played <laughs> over the weekend? <laughs> I did not. I started to record clips for a Tanner McKee passing game review. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, nah. I mean, it was yesterday. I was like, by the time I get it out, it's going to be Wednesday night. And then there's a game Thursday. Nobody's going to watch that. So we actually get a week between games. I'm not promising anything, but I might break out just a short all 22 after Thursday's game just to get back, you know, my preseason, get my preseason in, get back into all 22 shape. Yeah, the extent the extent of my uh like video content was all of Tanner McKee's like big completions, like the five or six of them that he had. And I just clipped all those together and put it out. And I was like, that's enough. That's all I can do from from this game. Although Sidney Brown had had a lot of plays you probably could have put together from this. Uh Eli Ricks, I'm sure there's some good Eli Ricks film out there on what he put out on preseason. But yeah, Tanner McKee was kind of the uh, story. <laughs> well, not the story, but obviously it was Jalen Carter. But as far as people who got significant playing time, Tanner McKee was one of the names that was discussed. Throughout the week, we'll talk about some of the offensive players uh, later on. But of course, the uh, the name, <laughs> yeah, household name right there is Jalen Carter. Every time you open any type of form of social media, is some news about Jalen Carter, what he's doing in training camp, or the uh, you'll see the viral clip of him on his first snap with the Philadelphia Eagles in preseason, getting after 
uh, it was Tyler Huntley, right? Was he in there? Tyler Huntley. Uh, no, 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 it was. Or who was no, it? no, they started Josh. They start Johnson. with Josh Johnson. Yeah, and then the... they put Tyler Huntley in against the third stringers to make sure they could bring home the W. Yeah, Pro Bowler, right? Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley to secure the win against Ian Book, uh, who played the entire. It felt like he played the whole second half, and he finished one for four for eleven yards. So that he, was that was. <laughs> he dropped back to pass eleven times and completed one pass. Yeah. Yeah, well, and he lost twenty-one speaking, yards. Speaking on of one Ian play. Book and video content, so I was, I was, tw- I tweet clips during the game all the mm-hmm. time. Like I, I like watch. I have the game up on my phone, like screen recording, so I can tweet out big clips because people look for replays. The broadcast doesn't show and stuff. And the one where Tyler Huntley took like a twenty yards, or excuse me, Ian Book took like a twenty-yard sack, spinning around and stuff. I tweeted that clip out, and I said, "Did I did the Eagles sign Carson Wentz again?" And I missed mm. it. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't believe how many Carson Wentz fans came after me mm-hmm. in the comments. I didn't realize that defending Carson Wentz in 2023 was something we were still doing on Twitter, on X, whatever it is. Uh, but that's that that contingent of the fan base apparently still exists. So yeah, there's a select few. We were having the conversation uh, outside separately a few days ago about driving engagement for for for, for X, and if we want to become those accounts. Yeah, you trying was that was that was that testing the fire of driving engagement? What no, was your I thought re- process when you were typing out Carson Wentz? Something had to cross your mind. <laughs> I, I really just thought it would be funny because you know he routinely he routinely <laughs> would like make two guys miss for a sack, but then not throw the ball away and take a twenty yard sack. So it's like. Ian Book was doing the same thing. He had the wheels, avoided the sack, and still just took a huge negative play. So it's just what popped into my head, and I thought it was kind of funny. I never expected for people to be telling me that Carson Wentz was a good quarterback and you should respect his name and all that yeah, stuff. Man. I didn't we don't think have that a Super was Bowl something we were going to do. You haven't heard? We don't have a Super Bowl without him. That's, that's, that's what you could say. That's I mean, that's true. But <laughs> Ian Book didn't even make people that. miss. He just ran backwards for 20 yards and took the sack. He didn't even make people miss. Uh, man, I hope we – well, we, we all we all know how that competition is going to uh, <laughs> going to, to, to square out now. We'll talk about that. Uh, later on but yes Jay, I, I do remember Josh Johnson now because I remember tweeting after that sack that Josh Johnson has to be entirely sick of the Eagles by now he just saw them in the NFC championship game Hassan Reddick speared him into the ground he flat out just missed like a ball and lost a fumble and now in his first action of the following season he's staring at Jalen Carter in the face and on the ground uh, once again if somebody out there doesn't hate the Eagles more than 49ers it's probably Josh Johnson as of as of right now. So Shane, like I said, probably not breaking down uh, all 22 film on Jalen Carter's loan, a few reps that he got in this game. But you also hear the stuff coming out of a training camp. I've talked to some of the guys who have been there and saying what he looks like. And we've heard from the players what he's sounding, but he is looking very much the part of the top defensive pick uh, in the draft that we all thought he would be coming out of uh, Cleveland Browns joint practice, two sacks, fumble recovery, tackles for loss. He's getting pressure, QB hits, all of the sort, well, quote unquote, QB hits can't really can't really hit them and all that stuff. So, what do you make of of Jalen Carter? What you saw from him in the preseason game, as well as everything we're hearing coming out of a training camp? Are you are you uh, are you temp temping? Or what is it? Uh, tempering your expectations, or are you like I want to see this guy week one and watch him wreck defenses? I, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's hard not to be excited. He comes out and that first snap just dominates Ben Cleveland and then he played one snap the rest of the game it's like Mm -hmm. the Eagles put him out there in that first snap and like you know what we're just going to go ahead and put you in bubble wrap you're good for the regular season now I saw what I had to see (laughs) yeah so I loved seeing that Uh, I've been going through an exercise uh ranking my top 10 players at each position and putting it out on x and 
You see that? I called it X. On X. Yeah, it doesn't even sound right, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. I'm gonna. I hate it. I'm gonna go back to Twitter. But uh, I've been putting them out on Twitter, and I've gone through the entire offense. I posted my edge rushers yesterday, and you wouldn't believe. People were upset about my edge rusher rankings. They haven't cared about any of the rest of them. But oh, man. my number two rated offensive guard was Joel Batonio, the guard for the for the Browns, and Jalen Carter has got the best of him sometimes in camp and in these joint practices as well. So. I know the impact that rookie defensive tackles typically have. I'm trying to talk myself out of thinking Jalen Carter is just going to dominate. Uh, I think I, I, I gave this stat on here a little while back, but uh, that since in the last 10 years, first round rookie defensive tackles have averaged like 2.3 sacks in the mm-hmm. rookie season. And the only guy to get more than four and a half sacks was Aaron Donald. So you can be a really disruptive player without getting a lot of sacks, but I'm, I'm trying to tell myself that he's not going to be the next Aaron Donald. And sometimes I don't succeed. So that first rep that doesn't do anything, help him talk me off of that ledge. Yeah, not at, not at all. And obviously uh, there's a lack of like game planning and certain things and teams don't know how much certain players are going to play. And we assume week one against new England, they're going to do something to try and mitigate uh, and neutralize the Eagles uh, defensive line. Um, but that is very encouraging signs when you see the first ever rep and he's blowing past guys and getting after quarterbacks and causing Josh Johnson to throw balls away. Uh, so very encouraging signs. They're also hearing what he's doing uh, in joint training camp. There's people I, I've had people um, I've had Chicago fans and Atlanta fans um, in my mentions, very upset that the team. I don't think they were upset at the time, but now apparently a few months later, they're very upset that the team passed on Jalen Carter based on what's coming out of camp. They're saying Bijan better be generational. They're saying, I can't believe. Uh, Chicago passed on him. We all thought that he potentially could go there. So Atlanta and Chicago fans are already uh, uh, very upset that Jalen Carter is not with their team. So good stuff. So Bijan can be generational, and it's yeah. still inexcusable to take him in the, with the top <laughs> ten pick. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was. For those of you that were listening to this during the uh, during the draft portion of the season, I was, I wasn't leading the Bijan train, but I was on it. I was definitely on it. I was like, I'm convinced to add him to the offense. And I don't know who's, who's stopping it, but you know, you build through the trenches. Jalen Carter looks like he's going to be a foundational piece and we can't wait to see what he does in the, uh, in the regular season. Uh, the other Georgia Bulldog that got picked was <laughs> Nolan Smith. Uh, he, I saw some, uh, I didn't get, um, I think I, I might've walked away for his rep and I come back to, to Twitter X whatever. And I see some people that Nolan's saying Nolan Smith's looking lost out there. He definitely looks rusty. And then he has this one play where he dips uh, under the shoulder uh, or dip the shoulder rather under the, uh, the offensive lineman and got to the quarterback for a, uh, for a QB hit. So definitely ups and downs as far as Nolan Smith is concerned. A lot of people were saying, I don't know what you saw, Shane, you probably were, were, were have a more detailed perception of it than I do. But what did you make of Nolan Smith? Did he look rusty? Did he look lost? Does he look like he has to get his legs underneath him or was it about status quo for what you expected from him at this point? Yeah. The the two big reps that stuck out for him is the one you mentioned rushing against the left tackle. He dipped the shoulder and got right around him. Uh, Would have been probably would have been a sack if it wasn't just a three-step drop and ball out. So that one was a really good pressure. Uh, And then he had a really bad rep on the right side in run defense. It was a, it was a run going to the left and he's the contained guy. And he got a little too amped up to go chase the play to the play side and lost contain. And that's the one where the running back cut it back and got a big gain. So that one was pretty much entirely, I think it was Justice Hill, 37-yard run. Mm -hmm. Uh, That one was entirely on him. But at least, and it's not excusable, but he's a rookie, at least it was a mistake of over-effort, not a mistake of 
being lackadaisical or missing a tackle. So I'll at least give him that. I'm sure that's a coaching point. And that's not something that you're going to see. He was a good run defender in college, probably just a little amped up in a preseason game. But uh, those were the two biggest reps that stuck out with Nolan Smith. I I would like to see him some more, though. I want to I want to see a lot more film on him. Yeah, yeah. I think he will get some more playing time as the other games, especially uh, tomorrow. And in the last game, I would expect to see him uh, see him get some more reps there. But I like especially that one rep. That should be encouraging. Fran Duffy has a good breakdown uh, of it on Twitter for those of you who want to get a more uh, in-depth look at that and what he's done with his hands and how that is going to translate to the NFL. Uh, speaking of guys with with a lot of effort, uh, Sidney Brown, who plays like you shot him out of a rocket, runs around like, he's, like his head is cut off, essentially. Um, so he's going to be one of those guys that either hits you so hard that knocks you out of the game or he just completely whiffs and misses the tackle entirely. That's the notion I'm getting for Sidney Brown. Uh, I've said numerous times that he's my favorite player in this draft. I like safeties. I like guys that can uh, run downhill and hit guys. And Sidney Brown uh, was on the record saying that he wants to be a feared player. And he goes and he's going into his rookie year with that with that mentality. Uh, nine tackles. He seemed he was seemingly all over the place. Um, and uh, those are those are good signs you want to see from from the rookie. And it looks like the Eagles are moving him up the depth chart fairly quickly. He's already getting first team reps following that playoff game or that that uh, preseason game. Uh, as well. So Shane, your thoughts on Sidney Brown, what you saw from him. Uh, he seems to have the mentality. He seems to be exemplifying everything that the Eagles said about him when they named him as a red star prospect throughout the, uh, throughout, throughout the draft process. So uh, Sidney Brown, is he starting week one? What do you make of his, uh, uh, I think, I think uh, Terrell Edmonds was, uh, got, got more, got more uh, playing time than the Sidney Brown. So that has to tell you, I haven't seen the snap counts, but that should tell you uh, what they think of Sidney Brown to this point. I know Edmonds was, was in there for a substantial part of the game, and Reed Blankenship didn't even dress. Uh, so Reed Blankenship is a seasoned vet at this point, doesn't even need to play. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, uh, Brown played or Brown actually ended up playing more than Edmonds. So it's, it's a little more than you thought. Uh, but I liked what I saw from Brown. Uh, he was it was about 50 50 on his snaps uh, from a deep alignment versus in the box. And mm. that speaks to the versatility he's got. And he's going to fly around, like you said, plays like he shot out of a rocket. He's going to hit you hard. He's going to whiff sometimes. We we're saw missed. that too. We're missing entirely. <laughs> yeah, but he does bring a little bit of like that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson swagger mm. to the safety position where the Eagles haven't had that really beyond, you know, much before Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, longtime player for the Eagles, really good player, moved around. He was kind of a central piece of the defense, but he didn't kind of have like that swagger that so much if you know what I mean and that's not yeah, to say yeah. I mean he was an elite player and you know his hit on Brandon Cooks in the Super Bowl was yeah. legendary but he was he more of like a vocal like adult leader than he was yeah. he wasn't like the that, talk shit that's a great guy. way to that's a great way to say it. he was the adult in the room whereas yeah, he, was. he was the mature Johnson, one you know Sidney Brown they're not they're that run around with your hair on fire and make plays and I liked it I like what I saw uh Kevon Wallace also played pretty well yeah, surprisingly right. now, he played a lot more like deep or in the slot than he did into the box. So maybe they're going to do some things where uh, they use Sidney Brown as like the third safety. But when he comes in, they drop Wallace into the slot or Brown is into the box. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but I do think you're going to see plenty of all, all of those guys. Uh, maybe not Terrell Edmonds as much, I hope, but he, he's <laughs> the guy he's it, it's not a it's not an anti-Trail Edmonds take. He's just the guy I'm least interested in in the safety group. 
Yeah, lowest ceiling, but good floor, but the lowest ceiling of everybody there is, is how I kind of view uh, the safety room. Kayvon, yeah, we, we spoke about him last pod that maybe he's the guy that just took a few seasons to put it all together. He came out of the draft with sort of lofty expectations. The Clemson, everybody, you know, we're, we're, we're dying to see somebody kind of uh, be the heir to Brian Dawkins. So the minute somebody comes out of Clemson and he looks like he can maybe hit hard, it's, oh, my God, he's Brian Dawkins. And then that hasn't that wasn't entirely fair to Kayvon Wallace. So good to see him kind of putting it all all, all together. And yeah, I mentioned Reed Blankenship, who's had now three, I think three picks on Deshaun Watson in the last two days uh, in practice. Doesn't even have to show anything in preseason. The Eagles have their minds made up that he looks like he is going to be the starter. So uh, your thoughts on Reed Blankenship in his second season as an undrafted free agent. Now, mind you, he did play five years at Middle Tennessee. So it's not like he doesn't have experience. That, that that's probably one of the reasons why he was able to translate to the NFL so quickly. He has five years of, of at his school, but now that he has his one year and he's doing everything, he's having a really solid camp. Are you okay with Reed not having to show anything in preseason? Is he one of your uh, solidified starters at safety? Cause the Eagles certainly believe that's the case. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, has he earned it actually is a better, is a better way to phrase that. Yeah. It was limited reps that we saw him on the field last year, but he looked good in those reps. And, uh, you know, he's apparently been doing really well in training camp. Mm -hmm. He's intercepted Deshaun Watson three times in the last two days. Like you said, although let's just be, let's call a spade a spade. (laughs) Deshaun Watson was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Um, so Maybe maybe Deshaun Watson is just not very good anymore, too. I don't know, but I think he's for sure locked in as one of your guys. And, you know, between Edmonds, who you said is high floor, low ceiling maybe, and you've got Sidney Brown and you've got Kavon Wallace, maybe the safety group's not as worrisome as we thought. I mean, it's young guys, mm-hmm. but you look at a team like the Chiefs last year, once you start paying your quarterback, your offensive stars, you need young guys on the defense that can come in and contribute right away. And Maybe it doesn't look fantastic in September, but you hope by the time you get to December and January, they're firing on all cylinders. And so Mm -hmm. I have more confidence in the safety group now than I did. I have a lot of confidence in the cornerback group and the depth at cornerback. That's something Mm -hmm. that was paper thin last year. And I don't think it is this year, but I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm still really worried about linebacker. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm not nearly as worried about safety as I am about linebacker. Uh, Zach Cunningham did tip one of those passes that led to a Reed uh, interception. So maybe Reed is going to be a beneficiary uh, of some of these Chauncey Gardner-Johnson interceptions. But this is why I thought Sidney Brown was such a good pick, because he had 10 interceptions at college, and they want to kind of um, you know, replace that, that turnover production that CJ did provide. Uh, and I think Sidney Brown was a good way uh, to do that as long as he continues to uh, to develop at the pace that he appears uh, to be on. You mentioned cornerbacks. For the first time in a long time, like you said, there is depth there and a lot of uh, young guys. I remember heading into last year's draft or this past draft, I was like, we really need some uh, some young talent in here. That's why I was big on Witherspoon, potentially investing a first-round pick there or or what have you. And the Eagles have come out uh, looking pretty good. Obviously, Slay and Bradbury are your top two guys. You have Avante Maddox. Can he stay healthy? Zach McPherson has transitioned as the backup nickel now because there's there's too much competition on the outside. So, Zach, now it's up to you to man that that nickel spot, and he's looked all right there uh, to this point. And then everybody behind him is Josh Job. I don't – here's here's my take. Does – I'm a I'm a greedy Williams fan, but the way, the way I see the depth chart kind of shaking out, I'm not entirely sure if he – if he if he makes his roster like the way the way I see it, it's probably Slay Bradbury Maddox McPherson Keely Ringo obviously you keep him and Josh Job and then you stash like Josiah Scott who you've had to play as a starter last year regrettably 
and uh, and Eli Ricks, who who we'll talk about in a second. Where's is there any space for Greedy Williams at all? Is there Mario Goodrich, who, who who's a good player? They have a lot of depth there, but I don't think there's any room for Greedy Williams, and that's a shame for a guy who's had a lot of experience in this league, and I thought could kind of uh you know re rejuvenate his career here. I just don't know if the opportunity is there. He wasn't yeah, good I, in that first preseason game, Greedy. He he allowed that uh um that uh that that player to get out of bounds and let Justin Tucker hit that field goal, right? Yeah, that's I'm sure right. that's being circled and filmed by Sirianni. Yeah, I, I think there's very little shot that Greedy Williams makes the roster for for kind of the reasons you enumerated. I think I think you're six deep if you count, you know, Joe Bringo and McPherson. I think those guys are all near locks. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to keep seven cornerbacks. Yeah, it'd be if a tough stretch. Do, to do it's so. going to be Eli Ricks or Mario Goodrich. It's probably not going to be Greedy Williams. And even Josiah yeah, Scott, even Josiah Scott is above Greedy at this point. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, ba- I base that because he had to play him last year. I don't know what he's done this summer so far. But <laughs> yeah. I think I don't think anybody's going to rush to sign Josiah Scott. You could probably yeah. practice <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, that that play was a huge mistake by Greedy Williams, and I highlighted that one on the post game show. Mm. That split by my power going out right as I started to talk about it. So five <laughs> minutes later, when I got back in the stream, I, I uh, finished talking about it. But that's just a mistake a, a veteran player can't make. There's no timeouts. You rally and tackle. You don't go for a big hit or a pass breakup. You want him to complete that pass in bounds. And you, you heard me kind of excuse Nolan Smith's losing contain mistake and saying he's a rookie, overexcited, whatever. Greedy Williams is a vet. You, you can't make those mistakes, and he did. And I think there's a reason he was in there that late in the game. I think he's pretty low in the pecking order among cornerbacks here. Yeah, it's tough. Now, even with Eli Ricks, uh, he's do you, do you risk do you risk having him on the on the practice squad because he had a very good game in the pick six. Obviously, inflates a lot of the stuff. But four targets, uh, only one reception allowed for seven yards, two pass breakups, and the pick six a zero passer rating allowed. Uh, when targeted, one of the highest PFF or the highest graded defenders as far as PFF goes, for those of you that put stock into a BFF uh, grades, their players. Do we risk putting Eli Ricks on the practice squad? You think after what he showed, at least to this point in preseason, somebody's going to sign him off of there, or do you roster him? Seven cornerbacks is going to be tough. It's definitely tough. But do the Eagles roster seven in case one of these one of these older older corners go down? You have Slay and and Bradbury. We've, we've you know we're a, we're a, we're a broken record. At this point, with with the, with the age of these guys, but one of them goes down, you want the depth in case Job comes in, he doesn't look good. Okay, throw Ricks in there, maybe he can be a little better. Uh, what are the chances Eli Ricks kind of sticks after his preseason performance? Do you run the risk of another team grabbing him off the practice squad? I think can he grab UDFAs off the practice squad. Is that a rule? Can he like not do that? No, you can't. Anybody <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, that. you can take. I, I don't know. It depends on how the rest of the preseason goes for him. Probably, maybe the Eagles tell him to trip and fall down and give up a seventy-yard hey, touchdown. Man. They can do week. what they did the Devin out non-injury football list or non-football injury list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The problem you could you can always do like phantom IR. The problem there is that if they're not on your fifty-three when the season starts, they stay on IR all year and they can't practice. So that's oh. not ideal. So like guys that are going to guys that are hurt, that are going to be on IR. You have to get them on your 53 and then move them to IR. And so mm-hmm. uh, of course, Eli Ricks could always just refuse to sign somewhere else too. If the Eagles were like, Hey, we really like you. We don't have the space, but you know, well, players have a say. I didn't know that players have a say when, pe- when they sign people off practice squads, you can just say no. Yeah, I wasn't aware. Yeah, I, wasn't I mean, aware it, it's not very common because I thought they could just snatch him and say roster. But yeah, you can pay. I mean, your practice squad players are on a contract. They get paid. They just can break the contract to go sign to an active roster somewhere. And 
Interesting. You know, if the team comes calling, you can say no. You can not sign it. So, but, most, uh, but you figure you're getting a chance to play. So most people don't say no. To your point, right? So yeah, Dar- <laughs> Darius Slay uh, needs to take Eli Ricks under his wing and be like, "Hey, listen, don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm old and I'm going to retire in two years. So you need to stick around here and be my successor or something like that." But yeah, yeah I don't know how the cornerback logjam plays out. We'll wait to see. Um, <laughs> Maybe the Eagles carry like one linebacker because nobody else is worth signing so they can get them on and then they can sign practice squatters to linebacker spots or something. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds like uh, James Radbury was in like a like a like a in the box line. Did you see I saw a tweet yesterday saying that linebacker uh, that Radbury was in like a, a hybrid linebacker role. Like, is is that like should, I don't think that should be a thing. Is that true? That I re- did you see that? Because I, I, I hadn't seen that. No. Yeah, I don't know what the I don't, I don't know what the. <laughs> What the, what the deal is there? Maybe they're just getting cute, like they do when they put a uh, when they put um AJ Brown in punt returning stuff. Um, speaking of linebacker, Sean Bradley uh, suffered a season-ending Achilles injury. One of the uh, I, I would consider him a fan favorite because he's a local kid, you know, Temple, um, making a name for himself. Been here a few years. How big of a loss is that? He, we would consider him a special teams ace uh, on this front. How much does uh, special teams already struggles as it is? Uh, how much of a blow is it that the Eagles are losing a guy like Sean Bradley, especially with the linebacker depth looking the way it is? I don't know how much like defensive snaps he was going to get, but I think it's certainly a hit to the special team. Yeah, it's not ideal, but by the same token, if you're going to lose a guy for the season, you'd rather it just be a special teams player <laughs> um, because it's going to be limited impact. The, the impact of special teams is becoming less and less in the NFL as they incentivize fair catching kickoffs. And I mean, punts are always going to be a thing, but uh, it, it's, I don't think he was going to be getting snaps in the defense. He was right. just going to be kind of your special teams ace. And uh, if, so if you had to pick a, a place to lose somebody, you probably like to just lose the special teams ace. So yeah. uh, I mean, it obviously sucks for Sean Bradley and hopefully he's got a speedy recovery and back next year, but it's probably one of the least impactful injuries of a guy that would have made the 53 that the Eagles could have. Certainly, certainly is the case. Yeah, speaking of injuries, this will be our last point uh, before we go to break here. Uh, Hassan Reddick uh, dealing with a, a thumb injury sat out of practice yesterday. This is now a second injury of camp after dealing with a groin issue earlier in the uh, in the summer. Um, some people <laughs> on Twitter were suggesting, hey, is this a, is he really hurt or is this like one of those contract injuries? Um, I don't think. I don't think Hassan Reddick rolls, rolls that way. I'm pretty sure he wants to be out there and uh, play. Uh, should we be concerned about Hassan Reddick's uh, numerous uh, minor injuries this this summer? Is he playing? Is he playing the contract card? Like I'm gonna just I'm gonna just conveniently sit out and maybe my deal gets reworked. I don't think that's the case, but it's funny that fans are thinking like that. Uh, what's your read on the situation with Hassan Reddick? I don't I don't think it was. I don't think the contract situation was a situation until a reporter I forget who asked him literally asked him, "Hey, you know you're like a top twenty <laughs> paid paid edge rusher right now in your production you should probably get paid more how do you feel about that so i don't think it was an issue until people made it one but if Hassan reddick isn't making it an issue i guess it's not one but it's out there now what's your read on the entire thing yeah i mean i doubt that it's got anything yeah to i don't do think it is either, stuff. <laughs> you know? he just signed a three-year deal last year so he's one year into it so i don't think that's probably it I, teams are really hesitant or not hesitant. They're really cautious in training camp preseason with injuries, especially yeah. for star players. And uh-huh. I mean, does Hassan Reddick need no, training know. camp reps? And you got so many guys behind him that do. I mm-hmm. think it's hey, you kind of banged your thumb a little bit. How about you just sit out for a couple of days? So I, I don't think it, I think it's an abundance of caution, and there's so much depth behind him that they're trying to get a look at. 
Yeah, right. Uh, was that was it? Um, you just brought up the uh, the death behind Ed Rusher, Derek Barnett. Uh, did he who did he shove? He shoved somebody last week. Uh, I forget. I forget yeah. who it was, but he was in a scrum last week. Are we still doing this thing? With are we still doing the Derek Barnett thing this year? What? When is well, it? When is when is when is it the last straw with this guy? <laughs> he had a he had a penalty. He had a penalty. I can't remember what it was because I tweeted out that it's always him. Oh my god! Thing, yeah, but man. then I remember there the, when uh Joel Joel Batonio said that. There were some cheap shots happening mm-hmm. at practice yesterday. I quote yeah. tweeted that and I was like, Derek Barnett, is that you? Yeah. It that's just been. who I assume it is at this point. I saw, um, we're not going to dive too deep into this end of it, obviously, but I think I saw Les Bowen quote tweet it and said, dang, did Deshaun rub somebody the wrong way? <laughs> that deserves oh. that deserves a chuckle at the very, in the very least. Uh, so interesting. I wouldn't put it past the Eagles to take, take, you know, but I know Deshaun is a close friend of Jalen's. I remember when Jalen uh, said on an interview that, you know, he still sees Deshaun and all this and stuff, and everybody was trying to drag Jalen for it. Like, if you think these guys, these athletes, these star athletes aren't going to be friends with star athletes, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So that's another. Uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting uh, tidbit there. Any final notes on anything uh, defensively? We talked about Ricks and Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Sidney Brown. Anything else before we go to break and then talk about some of the offense? Nope, I think that's it for the defense for me. No, uh, no, um, no, uh, a Jomo. Was there any a Jomo tape? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Nothing, so. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I mean, he, he played a lot, but I didn't notice him. Yeah, I didn't notice him. Didn't, didn't notice him either. We also, uh, the, you know, the attention span kind of wanes as the game goes on, and Ian Book is uh, taking 21-yard sacks. So it would shock us if we're, if we're missing things uh, on uh, that. And we're going to go to a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the offense. DeAndre Swift, Tanner McKee, some depth chart notes as well. Uh, but keep it locked here on BGN Radio. This is the EPA Podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the EPA podcast. Just broke down the Eagles' defensive performance from the week one loss to the Ravens. Victor, let's turn the page over and talk about the offense. And I feel like we have to start with DeAndre Swift, too. Mm-hmm. Has two carries for 24 yards, uh, including the 22-yard run, and then the Eagles pulled him out of the game. And Kenny Gainwell obviously didn't play. They said he's going to play this week. I have this picture in my head of the Eagles being like, Kenny Gainwell's our RB1. We're not going to play him in the preseason. And then they saw DeAndre Swift make one run, and now they're reevaluating that. So uh, what did you make of DeAndre Swift's performance and how the Eagles are kind of handling the running backs in the preseason? 
Well, I'll tell you this: the number zero jersey with the uh, with the visor is a is a, is a clean look, and I, I'm I'm kind of a uh, sick, not sick, I guess, but like that that a uh, the number zero jersey was handed to somebody who might potentially only be here for a season, but it's a clean look, and Swift looked good in it, and he looked good juking somebody in the backfield, in addition to roll, running somebody over to gain an additional five uh, to six yards. And uh, Swift isn't really known to be like the kind of power running to, to put dudes on the ground, but he can do it as, as we all saw, but he's more known for his agility. And we didn't see him catch any passes that I can recall. Uh, I don't see him here in the, uh, in the, uh, in the box score as far as catching any passes, uh, but he, that, that agility and that elusiveness was on display, making that first guy miss in the, uh, in the backfield. It makes you excited for what this, what this offense can, can it do? And the threat of Marcus Mariota, who, who we had watched <laughs> in this in this game, uh, but the threat of him running the ball uh, definitely play, played into it. And we can only imagine how Swift is going to look with the threat of Jalen Hurts in there, who's who's a more dynamic runner than uh, the Marcus Mariota. I think they're going to we, we already know they're going to use him all over the place in the slot outside. Uh, intrigued to see how the situation is going to work out when they came out with the depth chart. We mentioned this on, on the show prior that they had all five running backs, including Jay Sermon, all five running backs in the RB one slot on the depth chart Gainwell, <laughs> Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott, and Trey Sermon. And then all the way two spots empty and all the way at running back four was Kennedy Brooks. So I believe fumbled in that game. So certainly not helping his case if he wants to stay in, uh, in Philadelphia, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of smoke coming out of training camp that Kenny Gainwell is 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 kind of RB one is kind of leading the charge there. But like we said, I think that uh, DeAndre Swift uh, carry might might change the Eagles' outlook on that. And what do you, what do you think about Rashad Penny? Like, how is this how's this backfield going to work? Like, I think the Eagles have three guys that they're well. I mean, I think they're comfortable with Boston Scott, but I feel like he's clearly the fourth guy. But mm-hmm. with Gainwell, Penny, and Swift, like. Let's assume they're all fully healthy. How do you think that carry breakdown works? Yeah, I think I think I still like to believe that Rashad Penny is going to lead the team in carries at the at the uh, at the you know at the end of the year. He had nine in this game, which is shocking. You would think they'd want to be kind of tentative with with throwing Rashad Penny out there, but he had nine carries for thirty four yards in this in this game. I like to believe that Rashad Penny is going to be the one getting carries at the end of games. You know, wearing defenses down, letting that clock run down, especially if the Eagles are going to jump out into big leads which I assume they will do at, the, at least through the first part of the season before they go on that death march uh, uh, later on. So for shot, Penny's going to be the one getting those carries at the end of the, uh, uh, at the end of games. I assume he's going to be leading the carries, but Gainwell, a lot, a lot of people are saying don't, don't sleep on Gainwell just kind of being, being the, I don't want to say every down back, but he could be the guy on first and second downs. And, uh, and when you have passing downs, we mentioned this on the last show, you don't want it to get to a point where you see DeAndre Swift, oh, they're passing the ball. You see Rashad Penny, oh, they're running the ball. You definitely want to be more cognizant of the, of the players you're calling. Uh, but I think Rashad Penny certainly is probably going to lead the, uh, this team in carries at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like, kind of like you said, Rashad Penny is going to be like your primary running back. Not that DeAndre Swift's not going to get plenty of carries, but I think DeAndre Swift's role is more of like your third down back, your pass catcher, and then I feel like Kenny Gainwell is more of like your tempo, two-minute drill sort of running back. So, uh, although they did like to give Gainwell a lot of opportunities at the goal line last year. So we'll see if they continue doing that. Yeah, he snuck in a lot last year. He was stealing, and I'm trying to advise all of you sports bettors out there, do not bet on any Eagles anytime touchdown scores because you never know who's getting that ball at the goal line. Could be Hurts, Gainwell, Rashad Penny, Swift. Who knows? Who I'm knows pretty sure you can bet on you can bet on Jalen Hurts anytime touchdowns. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you think they ease up on that, though, with the contract or no? 
You're no. still going to use them at the goal line, probably. Right? Yeah, I think they're going to use them at the goal line. Especially so. since they didn't change the rule at all. My, my co-host on Chalk Talk says that's the best bet in sports is Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown score. Yeah, we, me and my uh, – I, I work for uh, Bet365, a sportsbook here in New Jersey, and uh, we all make the joke that um, – that, that, uh, I don't know if you know who Erlen Holling is, but he's the, uh, the Manchester City – uh, player who's he's anytime goal scores literally like minus 200 every single game and we say Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown and Erling Holland anytime goal score are two of the most uh two of the most uh sure bets in uh in sports so it's funny that you mentioned that all right well let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit here so uh, obviously we didn't see Jalen Hurts in this game nor should we see Jalen Hurts hopefully for any of the preseason but uh, the game opened with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. We saw Mariota uh, a little bit. We saw him run a little, throw a little. Then they went to Tanner McKee and finally Ian Book at the end of the game. And you know, Sadly. we said er- we said earlier Ian Book had eleven dropbacks and only threw one pass. I think we can just not talk about him. But uh, the Tanner McKee hype train—it's it- out of control, Victor. I—it's I- crazy to me that you know you have two quarterbacks in this game and one of them completed sixty-four percent of his passes. And one completed 50% of his passes. And everybody thinks the guy that completed 50% of his passes against the third string defense should be QB2 now. So uh, not to knock McKee's performance at all. I think he actually played better than his box score line indicates. Um, One of my favorite throws of his, it was a post route uh, that he got to, but he throws the ball. Like I said, I started to clip up stuff for an all 22 and then decided not to but there's one what am i doing here (laughs) yeah there's one where he throws a post route uh splits the safety and he throws it before the windows open and that's anticipation you don't normally see from a sixth round rookie in their first preseason game and so uh, that translates and so i thought he played really well and obviously there was no pressure on him they did a good job that backup offensive line did a really good job but I really like Tanner McKee. I do think people need to pump the brakes a little bit on this QB2 stuff. Like Marcus Mariota is the backup quarterback that you want. He can run the ball. He had a big conversion on third down. Uh, Yeah, he's not like a push the ball downfield guy like Jalen Hurts is, but he still completed passes at a high rate. Uh, Everybody wanted him in, what was it, 2016? Mm -hmm. We got him now. Let's not run him out of town uh, Mm -hmm. after preseason week one. Yeah, I tweeted uh, during the game. I said, "Man, I think uh, I think Tanner McKee just won the QB three job tonight," uh, and everybody was in my mentions. So QB two, QB two. I'm like, I I, I don't think he unseats uh, Mariota there. But yeah, Tanner McKee looked more like Nick Foles out there. I mean, if you ask me, he's like stay stay in the pocket, strong guy, delivering tight throws. Uh, one, I think one of his best passes was the one that was negated. Uh, the one to Joseph Nada. Uh, that was a very good pass. Uh, that got negated by the uh, uh, by the penalty. But I like what he could do, and it's kind of uh, nullifying my. Uh, it's kind of easing my pain for the DTR thing. And the only reason I'm such a big uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson fan is because when I was doing work with PFF last year, I had to break down every single play of every single UCLA game. So I had to watch this guy pretty much every single game. And Dorian Thompson Robinson, I became a fan by default because I watched him so much and now he's killing it in preseason. And he was my ideal kind of uh, long-term backup plan for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously uh, the Eagles opted to draft Ringo. And we couldn't get him. But I like Tanner McKee. It didn't make sense when we drafted him because you want a guy who's like kind of the similar mold to Jalen Hurts, can at least run a little bit. Tanner McKee attempted to run in this game, got caught from behind, eerily reminiscent of Josh McCown getting caught from behind in that wild card game a few years ago. But you didn't draft him for his mobility. You drafted him as a project that you could potentially flip down the road. And I'm sure some teams will fall in love with him if he develops. 
and becomes a nice pocket passer. But he was very good. His 10 for 20, uh, definitely he definitely played better than his boss score showed, as, as you mentioned. But I liked what I saw. He's strong, stays in the pocket, makes good throws. He makes good decisions. Uh, he would have been a top – I think he would have been a second-round pick like 10 years ago. So <laughs> it's just the yeah. league is moving in a different direction, and, uh, and, and it's unfortunate for a guy like McKee. But the kid can play, and I liked what I saw from him. Yeah, I mentioned that post route that he threw before the window was open. The second most impressive play he had was an incompletion. But mm. down at the goal line on that fourth and goal, the Eagles called their little uh, option play to the flat, the little read option to the flat. And they mm-hmm. called it earlier in the game, and it worked. And this time it was covered up. And that's a one-read play. You're reading whether you hand it off or you throw it to the flat. And the the read said, the key said to pull it. And the flat was covered up. And this is a six-year, six-round rookie, but it's fourth down, and he recognizes that he doesn't, you know, take a sack. He didn't panic. Uh, he backpedaled and he threw the ball into the end zone. And he, I mean, the ball hit a receiver in the hands, and he was out of bounds. And the guy was really well covered. But you know, it was impressive to me that in that moment, when the one-read play and it didn't work, it wasn't there that. A, he didn't throw a pick six out to the flat, and B, he just had the <laughs> presence of mind to put the ball into the end zone and give a receiver a chance to make an outstanding play. And it didn't work out. It goes as an incompletion. But the processing that he had on that play, I thought, was really impressive for a rookie. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely an uh, impressive process at time. Some of the throws, like, they, they didn't, require, didn't look like they required much effort. And the NFL always loves the guys who can, who can throw a ball downfield and make it look easy. So I think Tanner McKee. Uh, has the potential to become QB two down the road. Certainly not now. They're gonna they're gonna play Mariota if if Jalen Hurts gets hurt. God forbid. So, like you said, pump the brakes uh, on that. Tyree Cleveland was uh, Tanner McKee's favorite target. Five catches for uh, for sixty eight yards looked pretty good there. The receiver at the bottom of the receiver depth chart is is a bit interesting because the top guys AJ Brown, Devontae, Alameda, Quez are all going to be here. You assume I would say Britton Covey. I don't like I don't ever like to say lock, but he's like your top punt returner, right? So he's going to be here. That's five receivers. I thought Deion Kane had a good shot to to stick around, uh, but he's been hurt for the last week or so. So now is it Greg Ward who who does what Greg Ward always does in his preseason game? He's reliable. Mariota loves him. Mariota's loved him throughout all of camp. So so Greg Ward, no shocker there. Is it Tyree Cleveland? Jaden Hazelwood? Is it any of these other guys? Joseph Nada, who they're high on. Joseph Nada's getting first team reps in camp. Uh, how does the bottom of this receiver depth chart shake out? Because there's there's a lot of guys there who can play. Who who do you think makes the cut? Yeah, I mean, Greg Ward is simply too good and too much of a vet to be playing against third stringers in the. Yeah, I don't know why he's out there, but whatever. But he's not a guy that I want, you know, actually on the fifty three. So I would like for it to be, you know, jo- Joseph Nada or Tyree yeah. Cleveland or one of these younger guys that maybe you got a little bit of upside with, but. Greg Ward's, you know, he's kind of Mr. Reliable. Yeah, you just know uh, what he I, is. Good to yeah, have. Yeah, I think it'll end up being one of the young guys, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Tyree Cleveland showed, showed me. So I wasn't too familiar with Tyree Cleveland. I just remember always reading his name and being like, we're like, the Eagles are holding on to this guy for a reason, but he showed some of his catching prowess. Joseph Nada made some tough catches as well, and the Eagles gave him, I think, a significant sum of money as, as an undrafted guy. So they they obviously think highly uh, – highly of him so yeah now uh i don't i'm not going to say your favorite but uh, as far as offensive line there's some good tape on tyler steen the guy you think should be starting <laughs> on week one uh i don't know if you've seen the tape i only caught fran duffy's uh breakdown earlier earlier this morning but tyler tyler steen was making some guys move uh in, in that game any uh things you notice along the offensive line uh i think josh andrews right was playing center cam jurgens did he ever play center any point no, i don't i don't recall. 
Oh, he didn't play. Period. Oh, that's yeah. right. None of the none of the starting offensive line. Yeah, um, Jurgens didn't play, so he's one hundred percent your starter because they didn't feel a need to play him at all. Um, Are you upset about that? Nah, Steen. I thought Steen. <laughs> I thought Steen looked good. They they started him at left tackle. Uh, they later played him at right guard. Some he could potentially be the backup at two different positions there. Uh, they asked him to do a lot. They left him on an island in pass protection at times at left tackle, and he mirrored well. Uh, they had him pulling both from left tackle and right guard. They wanted to see what he could do, and I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, so uh, I thought it was a good showing from him. It makes you feel good about the depth on the offensive line, especially if they have confidence in him to be able to be a backup at two spots like that. That would be really big. Yeah, it would be big for them, especially for guys that lost a uh, some key guys. Like Diller's not there anymore. You're going to be dependent on uh, Jack Driscoll and some other guys if somebody uh, goes down along the offensive line. So that's all the notes I had as far as the offense. Anything else you uh, you uh, had noticed? I don't think Dan Arnold makes the team, no, as far as tight ends are concerned. It's Goddard. Yeah, they like Jack Stahl, what he can do in the in the blocking game. Calcaterra, you figure they hang on to him. Dan Arnold probably doesn't make this team, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. And number 46 I, I, is, is a weird number anyway. So. Yeah, I think it ends up being Calcaterra as your tight end three. Uh, you know, Tyree Jackson. Yeah, the Tyree Jackson experiment around. for the third year in a row. Yeah, third year in a row. We'll see if he can make it through training camp preseason without getting injured. Because that's yeah. been the issue. He's looked good two yeah. years in a row and then has gotten hurt at some mm-hmm. point in camp. So uh, hopefully, you know, he's able to stay healthy. But yeah, the Eagles are loaded on the offensive line. They're loaded at running back. Skill uh, positions everywhere. Yeah, just the depth at receiver, you know, past your first three or four guys, which is back into the roster. So everybody's got those question marks. It's better to have the question about wide receiver four than wide receiver four or five than it is about wide receiver two. So uh, Eagles have a really talented roster, and I thought that shown through in the preseason. Yes, Hurt still should have been in there for the two-point conversion, but we'll take the loss. Enjoy your streak, Harbaugh. One of the most (laughs) ridiculous streaks in all of sports. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. Be sure to stay subscribed to the BGN radio feed so you don't miss any of the shows that they have coming through here. NFC's mixtape. Uh, Shane, you have another show on this feed? I don't recall. I ask you this every episode. Is there another show you do here or not? Yes, just it actually might be in the feed by the time this one drops in, or it might oh. not. But we're doing a BGN draft show throughout the year this year. So a draft show in guys, August? Is this yep. what we're doing? Yep. What are so we What are guys, we doing? What are we looking at? <laughs> so if you guys enjoyed our draft content, uh, get it leading up to the draft, we're going to be dropping weekly short episodes, like fifteen to twenty minutes, where we're just going to recap like a couple of the big performances or matchups from the week before in college football and look ahead to a couple big matchups for the weekend. So Mm. uh, Dives and Mark are going to be joining me, the guys that did the draft show with us last year. You'll still get the full episodes in the off season, but throughout the year, we're just going to put some names on your radar of guys you can watch if you're, if you're channel surfing on Saturdays. So Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. We have need. Yeah. He's not going to be there for the Eagles. Uh, (laughs) He's going to be an Arizona Cardinal with their, Number one and number two picks. Yep, and Kyler Murray is going to be in Atlanta. That's yes, my that's my that's my hot take. Kyler Murray is a Falcon next year because Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr. will be there. Oh, that that reminds me. Uh, real, real quick before we leave, my my take on on QB three before Tanner McKee became a thing. I, I what I wanted the Eagles to do is to trade for Malik Willis is what I wanted. I was like Malik Willis is out of there. They got Will Levis. They they obviously are out on on Malik Willis. I think the Eagles should make a move, throw them a seven, six round pick, whatever, get Malik Willis in here who can be the long-term mobile, you know, guy behind Jalen Hurts and Marcus Mariota. I was about it. 
I was about it. Then we drafted Tanner McKee, and I was like, the hell are we doing? Uh, but I, I, I like Malik Willis. I mean, playing at Liberty doesn't mean anything, but I liked him. I feel like he could have been a long-term project here. I would trade Tanner McKee for Malik Willis straight, straight up. Straight up, straight up. The Titans came straight right up. now and said, we want Tanner McKee. We'll give you Malik Willis. Done deal. Done deal. I'd do it, too. I'd do it, It too. works for both teams. Tanner it McKee does. is like your perfect Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Backup, or Ryan Tan- Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Ryan Tannehill. He's like Ryan Tannehill. Big, takes hits. It's fine. Yep, stays in the pocket. Doesn't run. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yo, we should, we should, we, we got to pitch this. We got to pitch this. I'll definitely do that straight up. Willis was my QB1 that year, and I just like his athleticism. What year? Two years ago? Well, I mean, the pickings weren't obvious. Yeah, Over Kenny Pickett, yeah? Yeah, Pickett was QB2 for me that year. Um, I just, for the same, I, I love mobility, and maybe I slant too far that way, but the the ceiling was really high, and he's got a lot of work to do, but that's why he's an ideal backup. And the Titans don't like him, obviously. Uh, the coach Vrabel didn't like him from the beginning, and he's never really going to get that much of a shot there. So I, I would be all for it. I'd love to have him in the building. QB factory, baby. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, Malik Willis was going to uh, – I was screaming for weeks upon weeks that he was going number nine to Seattle. That's that's what I was saying. I was like, he's going number nine to Seattle, and then and the Seahawks will have their QB. And then Malik Willis goes in, like, what, the third round or fourth round, wherever he went. Uh, so, yeah, that's – that's fun. But yes, thank you guys for listening to the EPA podcast. We'll be back next week to, I mean, if the preseason game is exciting enough, we'll be back next week to uh, talk about uh, whatever it is we'll do. Shane and I will be on the uh, post game after tomorrow to break down what is going on, if anything exciting happens. So be sure uh, to catch that as well. Shane, where can the people find your projects and what you're doing on X slash Twitter slash wherever else you're doing work on? Yeah. All 22. Can- you the can Browns follow me on Twitter and threads and YouTube yeah. at Shane Half NFL. Maybe I'll get some all 22 up uh, on both YouTube and I clip it up into shorter clips on Twitter, but mm-hmm. 220 is the limit. So it's usually like a, hey, man. like a little Subscribe. clip and then a link to the full video. So pay Elon, go check you can do longer out. videos, pay him. You got to pay yeah. Elon for longer videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you can check me out there. I've been doing my top 10 position rankings. I've got a lot of stuff queued up for the regular season. Um, I'll be doing like the in-depth previews and stuff, putting it all out on Twitter, but uh, that, not doing all that for the preseason because you never know who's going to play. It's hard to do that, but that'll be ready week one uh, previewing the Patriots game. So make sure you're subscribed or following or whatever we call it now. Yeah, do whatever it is just to make sure that you're not missing these. Yes, we'll be back next week. Catch the BGN postgame show tomorrow with Shane and myself and whoever else is going to be on there. Until next week, guys, we'll catch you guys next one. Peace out here from the EPA podcast. Go Birds. Go Birds.